For the past century, Mexican citizens have been migrating to the United States. As of 2021, roughly 10.7 million Mexicans live here in the United States. This flow of migration was brought on for different reasons, depending on how you ask. Some might say that they were looking for work. Others will claim that they wanted a fresh, new experience. Whatever the reason may be, millions of Mexicans come to the United States to begin a new life. My name is Aaron Hendricks, and amongst those immigrants was Beatriz Blanco, my grandmother. Since her migration in 1968, her name has been Americanized. She now goes by V. Hansen. Today, I want to tell B's story. What was the catalyst for her decision to leave home? How did she overcome her new surroundings? And most importantly, does she have any regrets? On today's episode, we will explore the hardships and triumphs that come with leaving home, and what it's like to leap into a world that is so foreign from your own. On June 20th, 1944, Beatriz Blanco was born in Mexico City. Ever since she was a child, she was never afraid to experience new things. Um, feeling of self, like I feel secure, that I'm not afraid to, to try new things or to uh, meet people and talk to people because I always felt like I was okay and uh, I was special. And uh, even during the hard times in my life, I always remember that it's okay because I am okay. What's more, Bee and her family were familiar with American culture. Bee's aunt rented bungalows to American tourists. Her earliest memories were spent playing with American children there in Cuernavaca. Um, we used to spend a lot of time at my aunt's house and uh, summers, entire summers, my brother and I would spend time there and they, this property had bungalows and uh, that's how they make their living. They will rent the bungalows mostly to American citizens that will go and spend months in Mexico, in Cuernavaca, and they will lease one of these bungalows. And so I got to interact a lot as a child with American citizens because mm. some were women, single mothers that had a child. I remember spe specifically a little girl and uh, she did not speak Spanish and I did not speak English, but we used to play all of that. I never knew what she was saying, but it didn't matter. We were kids together. And it, was, uh, it was a very happy time. While discussing her childhood and familiarity with American life, B shared an interesting bit of family history. On November 20th, 1910, the Mexican Revolution began. Like many other families during the war, B's father, brothers, and sisters were sent to Texas to be free from danger. The one who sent them away was B's oldest uncle, Lucio Blanco, a revolutionary general in the war. As for B's father and siblings, they were given the opportunity to experience American culture firsthand. B's father would even receive an education in San Antonio. The thing is that my family was a kind of a special family. My father was the 11th child. Uh, my grandparents lived in a big ranch in Northern Mexico. And uh, his oldest brother, Lucio, 
was a general in the army in Mexico. And in, 2010, in 1910, when the revolution uh, happened in Mexico, he was a general and a very well-known general that had a, a very special role in, in the revolution, during the revolution. And my father, in those days, he was about eight years old. And um, my uncle, Lucio, uh, to protect his mother and his sisters, and of course his little brother that was then just a child, he purchased a house in San Antonio, Texas and he took them to San Antonio to get him out of the country. And um, so they lived in, in San Antonio for many years, you know, just about all the time that the war was going in Mexico. And uh, my father went to school in the United States. He learned fluent English. In fact, he spoke English with a Texas accent. And um, he had great memories of living in the United States. His brother, the oldest brother, who was supporting him and supporting the family here in the United States, uh, he was killed. He was killed, um, captured, and uh, they were in a boat uh, going back to Mexico. He had uh, handcuffs and uh, he jumped off the, uh, the boat and he drowned. Mm -hmm. But rather than being captured, he preferred to die. So in my family, let me tell you this too, my, my aunts, I heard this all my life. They were so proud that we were Blanco. That was a big name. It was because of the, the general, Lucio Blanco. At the age of 12, it was B's turn to visit the United States. The first time I... I was probably about 12 years old, and uh, my aunts brought me to um, San Antonio, Texas. We took the train, and we slept, and we, you, you had beds in there, and we slept that night in the train, and then the next morning we woke up, and we were across the border. And uh, my uncle, their brother, Bernardo, he was the consul in San Antonio, Texas, Mexican consul. And so he had an important government uh, representation in the United States. So when we came to visit and stay with him, well, it was kind of, we were kind of VIPs. So I had a very good um, experiences when I came to the United States. Of course, the, the lifestyle and the quality of life was so much higher than, than the quality of life in Mexico. Even though we were not rich, we were middle class. So um, to come to the United States and see the comforts that people had and the, the lifestyle, it, it always gave me an impression that, of course, life in the United States was much better. A trip to the United States makes B reflect. She describes the difficult reality that many Mexicans faced. You see the people begging in the streets. We used to, uh, a lot of people just trying to sell food or sell candy or sell something just to make a living out in the streets. Newspapers, magazines, I mean anything. People are hardworking in Mexico because they have to survive. So people, little children in the street, they will run to you in the car and say, can I wash your windshield? And they will wash the windshield and you'll give them, you know, a little change. 
and that's how they were making money to take to their families because everybody had to work in order to survive. There is a lot of real poverty in this. When B came into her 20s, she graduated from the National University of Mexico. While working as a teacher, she began to receive mysterious calls. And it was an interesting time in my life in Mexico because uh, my mother started getting some calls. All of a sudden, uh, somebody, anonymous calls, that was telling her that somebody wanted to hurt me and to, 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 to watch over me. And uh, of course, my mother got all upset and she was nervous. And my father purchased a gun and gave it to me. I was carrying a gun in my purse. I wouldn't have known what to do with a gun, but I had a gun just in case. And, uh, you know, there was, um, that was kind of a bad feeling knowing that somebody was trying to get you for some reason. And I didn't know why, but so, or even if it was true or not, but <clears throat> the calls came several times. If B wasn't handling enough stress, a man, my grandfather, whom she met on a trip to Corpus Christi, asked to marry her. And at, around that time, um, I got that proposal to marry him, marry Richard. And I thought, what am I doing here? And uh, now that I look back at that, I can tell you that was a God thing. It was the only way I would have left my family because I was so happy. I was so comfortable. There was no reason for me to leave. But it seemed like, why not? And uh, I've always been daring. I, don't, I haven't, haven't been afraid of change or taking chances. And I accepted his proposal. And um, he came to Mexico. He asked for my hand. And then I, we flew to Corpus Christi and we married here in Corpus Christi. And thus, B stepped over the line into a brand new world. Culture shock, a phenomenon experienced by those who are unfamiliar with their surroundings, which, in many cases, causes feelings of isolation and disorientation. The first few months in the United States was an unpleasant experience for B. New sights, new sounds, and words that she had never heard surrounded her everyday life. This surely was different from her home. It was, uh, I didn't know anybody, I didn't have friends. Um, I would go to the grocery store, we lived very close to Parker Plaza, uh, H-E-B, and I would walk in there and look at the meats. So I was gonna cook dinner. And the cuts of meat look different here than in Mexico. They just cut meat differently. So I didn't know what I was buying. I didn't know how to cook it. It was um, simple things that uh, the phone will ring and I'll panic. I didn't know if I was going to understand the person on the other side. The adjustment was very, very slow. But I, but I started to adjust, but I had no choice. I had to. So what I did, I sat in front of the television during the day when my husband was at work, and I would listen 
to whatever was going on in English. And sometimes I was angry because they would be laughing and I didn't know what they were laughing about. But it's interesting how the words started to make sense and I started uh, understanding and I understood English long before I could make the words mine and, and use them. But at least I was understanding. She didn't always get it right the first time. As it turns out, be unknowingly broke a few rules during her first few months. It wasn't easy, but I did it wrong, and it worked. It worked on my, in my behalf because I, I was just I came with my visa as tourist because mm. I had a passport and a tourist visa, mm. so they let me in. They didn't know I was coming to get married, so we get married, and I stay here. I think it was I don't know how many months. I think my visa was good for six months. So when my visa expired, I went back to the, uh, to the government and I said, uh, how do I renew my visa? And they looked at me and I said, um, I'm married, I live here. And they said, you weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> I was supposed to have asked for a visa to be married and that took a lot more longer time and everything. But now it was done. I was living here. I asked B what some of the most surprising parts of American life were for her. She told me about a belief that was held in Mexico. It was thought that Mexican-Americans were ashamed to be Mexican. She was surprised to see the truth. It was um, very interesting for me because we had a distorted impression living in Mexico of what the Mexican people that lived in the United States really were like. Uh, we thought that they were ashamed of being Mexican. We thought that they didn't like being Mexican. Mm. We, we thought that they avoided speaking Spanish um, as part of being ashamed. Or We had this impression. And that was the biggest surprise for me, is that these people loved to speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. They were embarrassed to speak Spanish to me because I, they thought I spoke perfect Spanish. And their Spanish sometimes was mixed with English, or they didn't pronounce. Oh, another interesting thing, a lot of the words that they use are the ancient Spanish. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense because they lived here before this land was part of the United States. So it was an older Spanish that they spoke. And then the fact that they love Mexican music and that they would share with me that culture that it, and that was amazing i mean how many years they have lived in the united states since the country is now part of the united states and yet their culture and their language survived additionally in recent history many americans possess very negative opinions on mexican immigrants many believe that as a whole mexican immigrants are criminally motivated as a member of both worlds, I was interested to understand what B thought. You know, I believe that a lot of the Mexicans that immigrated, especially during the time that they came to work as laborers in the fields, they were people with low education in Mexico. Uh, you know, they, they were struggling, they needed to help their families survive. They sometimes didn't finish school. They just got out to, the opportunity was there, let's go to the United States and work and make better money and send 
money back. But these people that were not educated. So uh, I think that that was part of what gave, them, gave people the impression that they were not as good or they were lower class or they were not as capable or something. But one thing, uh, and, and of course there is nowadays, it's a lot more that criminal element that uh, has, I imagine has been part of the Mexican culture. A lot of people that needed to get ahead just hang on with the uh, cartels and in order to make money and survive. And um, maybe some of those have come in, but my experience with the families that came here is that they're very hard workers. They came to work, they know and they have worked all their lives to survive and if they were going to make a better living they were going to to work very hard mm -hmm. and a lot of the people that stayed here they made sure their kids went to school because that was their way to a better life. Finally, I had one more question for B. The American dream, the idea that in the United States, if you worked hard, your dreams would come true. Was this belief just an absurd thought? Does B feel like she's experienced the American dream? Yes, I had heard the, the term American dream in Mexico, and uh, it was associated with the farm workers that were coming to work hard and, and have a better life. and. Um, uh, we we got you know we're so close to the United States that we receive a lot of the culture comes in the form of films. We used to go to the movies and uh, watch American movies. We all had that impression that uh, the United States was the better place to be and uh, a better life and the land of opportunities, without a doubt. And I grew up with that that belief. And to be honest with you. It's true. Mm -hmm. I have lived the American dream. The, the, I have, the opportunities have been presented. Uh, I've been blessed. I live uh, in comfort. You know, it has given me opportunities to be of help to others and to help others change their lives. Uh, it, has, it has been a total dream for me that I had never dreamt if somebody had told me when I was living in Mexico that I would be living in the United States, that I would be the director of the Coastal Bend Food Bank, that I will have the opportunities that I have had, that I will be talking to you in English, I would have never believed it. That was not part of my dream at all. And, uh, and yet the doors open, uh, God had a plan. And that plan has, has, was a lot better than my plan. And it has been fulfilled thanks to the opportunities that the United States has offered me. It has been 54 years since B made the tough decision to come to the United States. At the surprisingly young age of 78, B has created a beautiful life for herself. Today, she works as the director of the Coastal Bend Food Bank, providing food to those who are in need. B now has two daughters and two grandchildren here in the United States. She resides here in Corpus Christi with her four dogs.
B still believes that moving to the United States was one of the best decisions she has ever made.